This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Welcome to Cap Times Talks, a podcast bringing you smart conversations about big topics in the city of Madison. I'm Natalie Yar, the new producer of Cap Times Podcasts. Today, we're bringing you a conversation with the national touring cast of Hamilton, which is running at the Overture Center for the Arts through Sunday. Cap Times theater critic Lindsay Christians gathered members of the cast last night to discuss the musical's innovative score, the challenges and rewards of playing real historical figures, and how this revolutionary work is changing the face of musical theater. The Overture Center hosted this free event on Thursday. Without further ado, here's Lindsay and the panel. Hi, hello. Thank you so much for everybody being here. And thank you to our three wonderful actors. I am Cap Times theater critic Lindsay Christians. Uh, I've seen Hamilton, I think, four times. Um, I've also seen Sister Act, for the record. (laughs) Um, And and I'm going to do a quick intro of each of our actors here. Uh, I sort of compiled these bios based on the program and my own research. So I had a little fun. I'm excited to see what you yeah. <laughs> You had some fun interviews out there, actually. Uh, very, very entertaining. Um, so playing Angelica on the national tour is Taria, pronounced like Maria, Campbell, raised in Philadelphia. Hi, thank you. <laughs> uh, raised in Philadelphia, she made her Broadway debut, I believe, in 2003 in Little Shop of Horrors. Um, she was in the original cast of Leap of Faith and the Book of Mormon. She played Nala in The Lion King on Broadway and covered the title character in Aida. Uh, we've seen her here in Madison, as I mentioned. She came through in 2014 playing the lead, Dolores Van Cartier, in Sister Act in the national tour. So welcome back to Madison. Thanks. It's like this is your life. <laughs> it's nice to be back. Yeah. Uh, right here on Listen, my right. You should have started with my <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Desmond Sean Ellington, here on my right, uh, started as a swing in the Hamilton tour about two years ago. Uh, He's gone on as Aaron Burr and George Washington, as well as his current roles, Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. Uh, His theater credits include uh, the B.B. Winans musical, Born for This, the Nolan Williams Project at Cleveland Playhouse, and I Dream at Alliance Theater. So, welcome, Desmond. Thank you. Um, I I spent a lot of the past several days watching Neil Haskell dance on YouTube. Very fun. Um, Neil is a contemporary dancer who you might have seen on Glee. Um, He was in the films Rock of Ages and Jersey Boys. He was an all-star on Fox's So You Think You Can Dance. He can. Um, He he (laughs) he is currently playing King George in this production. And he has many Broadway credits, including Tuck Everlasting, Cinderella, Nine to Five, and The Times They Are Changin'. So um, I wanted to actually start with Taria, uh, if you don't mind. I don't mind. (laughs) Uh, So Karen Olivo, who is based here in Madison, played Angelica in Chicago. And when I talked with her about that, she said, this show is like a train that leaves the station, and you hope you're on it. If not, you're going to keep running next to it the entire time. Absolutely. Yes. And, <laughs> and so I, I wondered, what has performing this show been like for you? 
It is like a train. <laughs> uh, performing Hamilton is indeed just like Karen said. It's it's difficult. Everything is ninety percent um, rap or rapped or sung. So there is little time for any sort of um, uh, deviation in timing. So this set to like a click, we'll call it. So the, the timing of the show is the same all the time for all of the songs and all of the numbers. So if you flub a word, you can't say, I mean, because if you say, I mean, in those 0.3 seconds, you've already missed eight words. So you have to keep going. And if you mess up, you just, well, I like to form a sound that sounds like a word. <laughs> to create the illusion that I have actually said the word. <laughs> so it is, it is um, difficult in, in that aspect with the timing of the show. And I am one, I'm the only female in the show that raps. So my song is very, very fast. One of my songs is very, very fast. So I have to um, keep up with the timing no matter if you trip if the stage moves and you're not ready for the stage to move, if um, something hits you in the face like a hair, like that's happened to me several times, or if you just totally blank out. Uh, just three weeks ago, I was doing this show and I'm singing my song and then all of a sudden I say, that rhymed, that rhymed, and that rhymed. I forgot that I was in a show where I was rhyming and I was like zoning out a little bit and you know sometimes you you know you don't always you know remember what you're doing and sometimes I you, you look up and you're like oh I'm in a musical and I'm yep yep this is happening so Desmond uh, <laughs> welcome to playing Madison in Madison all right thank you <laughs> um, so you were a swing and I wanted you to first of all explain for maybe some of our audience members who don't know what that is. Tell, mm -hmm. tell us what a swing is. Sure. Um, a swing, uh, and there's another phrase, a standby, but basically is a, is a, a company member who knows or covers multiple parts. Uh, of course, you see the, the, the cast that you see on stage when you, come, stage when you come to the show, but there's also what we have an offstage company of actors who are at the theater, we're here, in the wings, you know, pretty much, and we're basically on call, you know, to go up sometimes at a moment's notice to cover or replace a principal uh, in the show, whether the principal might be just out on vacation or somebody may have gotten sick, somebody gets hurt. Even in the show, we've had mid-show swing-ons where uh, an ensemble member maybe <laughs> fell, didn't, didn't land the, stick the landing, <laughs> rolled an ankle, and now someone literally has to suit up go right into that role and the show goes on. And so I started out as a standby covering uh, Aaron Burr, George Washington, and the role I'm in now. And basically had to know all of the roles. So that's all of the choreo, all of the notes, all of the, you know, of the words, everything for those three, three characters. And this is my, my first big show. <laughs> like, so when I even, when I got cast in the role, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> you want me to do what? <laughs> I would think I would have a problem doing one part. You want me to do three? You know, but it was, it was very rewarding because it's one of those things where it's like you never really know what you can do until you have to. And then when you look around, you're like, whoa, I, I just did three different roles. Like, go ahead, man, you can do, we can do anything we put our minds to. So, um, but yeah, that's how I started out for about a year and a half covering those three roles. And then this past summer, uh, I took over the role of uh, Hercules Mulligan and James Madison, where we are now. How is the challenge different, playing just one role? Well, playing, uh, let me well, see, how, two, is I the, guess. how is the challenge different? Um, well, it's, 
it's a challenge now because as a standby, I'm not, I don't perform eight shows a week. So my body was never con really conditioned to being in this show and doing it Tuesday through Sunday. You know, it could be two months before I see the stage, you know, as a standby. But I'm always here, I'm always ready. Now I'm on eight shows a week, and now my knees are cracking, and now you know I'm having to go up and down stairs all night, and of, of course on stage I'm in character, and all of a sudden I get in the wings, I'll be like, ah, 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 ah. but uh, you know, but I, my body had to get used to uh, doing such an active physical show eight times a week, and the the flip side of it is that I now really, as like I said, as a standby, you're just really there to, like I say, keep the show going. Now that I'm in the role, I'm actually getting to learn uh, the character, drop into the character, learn who Madison really was or, or who I would portray him to be, learn who Hercules Mulligan uh, was or who I would portray him to be because I get to do it repetition, repetition. Okay, that didn't work last night. Let me try this. That didn't work. Oh, that, oh, that was nice. I'm going to try that again. You know, let's see. If, you know. So I get to dig deeper into the, the actual character. So that's one of the, the uh, rewarding aspects of it. Yeah. So, thank you. Yes. Um, Neil, uh, you have been with the show, uh, turns out, the longest. Mm -hmm. um, not the tour the longest. No, I actually just joined the tour. Um, my first performance was beginning of August. Okay. So, um, I was curious, because you were in the original Broadway cast, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering how you think about when you're playing King George, do you sort of have to get Jonathan Groff's version out of your head? Like, how do you grapple with the level of popularity this show has and how well everybody knows that version? Sure. I, I think, um, I mean, I, I, when I'm out there, I don't even really think about Jonathan's version. Jonathan's version was perfect and incredible, and every single night was exactly what it needed to be. And I'm a very different performer than Jonathan. I would never compare myself to him. Um, and I think it's it, that's sort of something that every theater performer in all of history who replaces sort of has to deal with and go through. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's less of like a, a challenge to be better than that person or to sound like that person. or do, It's just about bringing your own self to it and your own identity to it and kind of making the role your own and unique and more exciting every single night. So that's kind of what I, what I think about that. And I, I think I don't really can compare myself to all the other kings that I've seen come through Hamilton, because I've seen, You've seen all of them. I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen many a kings come through Hamilton. Many a king. Many a king. Yeah. Have you all seen the show? Yes. yes. I've probably seen it like 200 times. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, I've, I've, I saw the first performance downtown. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, when it was uh, in the, at the public theater. Right, right, right. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. was on like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me recently, and the host asked him if he was one of those people who sings along in the audience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hope not. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, of course I was. He laughed. Um, so, Taria, I, I was wondering how Angelica has evolved for you over the course of portraying her. How she has evolved for me over the course of portraying her. Uh, well, it's interesting. So, Angelica 
as a character, is a strong woman. She's always been strong. But we in our lives aren't always so strong. Uh, recently, I had some medical issues, and it was really, really weighing on me, and I had to take some time off, and I had to go through you know, a lot of different things, both phys physically and emotionally. And so I was a different version of Angelica during those times. And then sometimes when I'm feeling a bit stronger, when I'm feeling a bit more confident, then I'm a different kind of Angelica. The work is always there. The words are always there. The history is always there. But who we are as a person, as Neil was saying before, what we bring to the character will be slightly different all the time. Because we can't always um, be this, I, I will never be the same Angelica every day because that will be stale and that won't be true and authentic. So I try to just live in the moment of who she is for me that day. So she's evolving all the time, mm -hmm. I'd say. She's still fierce all the time. All the time. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> Desmond, I'm wondering how playing these historical characters, these 300-year-old characters, mm -hmm. um, how has that changed your experience and your feelings about American history? Um, first of all, I, I think it's, it's an honor to um, be in a show where the, the leads are all portrayed by people of color. Which is, yeah, definitely. It's, it's an honor to, uh, to be able to portray uh, historical figures and it not be like, well, you gotta be like this because you look like, no, like, this is the guy, what are you gonna do, you know? So um, as an actor, I, I approach every project with, you know, whoever I'm portraying, you know, this person was, yes, they were historic, they were this or they were that, but at the end of the day, they were human. And my job as an actor is to tell the story, is to bring the humanity and to show the truth, whether I agree with the person's actions, what they did, what they didn't do, you know, uh, if I'm, you know, unless they're not a real person. But it's just to bring the truth to it and the uh, authentic feeling and emotion, because no matter what they did, no matter, they were still human at the end of the day. And as an actor, that's what I get to do, and that's what I get to bring the truth and honesty as far as what I can portray uh, of this person, whether they're a historical figure, whether they're just an innocent bystander or whatnot, is just to be able to tell the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, a question for Neil. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like a lot of times when people talk about Hamilton, they talk about how much the tickets cost. Yeah. Like that, like that <laughs> comes up all the time, right? Yes. Um, yes. And, and this is going to be a question actually for, for anybody, but I, but I wonder, like, when you think about, when you hear that, when you think about that, does that change anything for you? Do you think about, like, this idea of, of value or transactional, that tra transactional quality at all? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a, a bit of a tough question because it's, the, the price of the ticket has no effect on, like, the, the, energy and the the performance of an actor regardless of the show um, you could go it shouldn't it shouldn't, it shouldn't. Yeah. and yeah it really shouldn't you should you if you see a show like an off-broadway show downtown and you're paying 15 bucks to get in you you know cash only type of thing the performance you're going to see from that should be just as gut-wrenching or just as energetic or just as whatever as as a priced as a $200 ticket to Hamilton or to Moulin Rouge or, or Hadestown or something along those lines because it's you're still there to give a performance and they're still there to see the performance and it may be somebody's very first Broadway show that they've mm -hmm. ever mm -hmm. seen. It may be their 200th Broadway show that they've seen and all they want to do is just be removed from their everyday life and 
to be told a story. So being on stage, I, I would I would try to never think about, you know, the price of the ticket, except for when, you know, there's lottery people down down in the front pay, who paid ten dollars and they're so, so excited, excited to see the show. So excited. And you know it. Yeah. And I think that's like that might be the only time you really think about the price of the ticket as a performer. I do, however, I, I do take into consideration that Hamilton is very, very expensive. And for some people, it is the thing that they saved up for. Mm -hmm. It is the most important thing for them that year. You know, there's a nth of a percentage of this country that can really afford the arts, which is so sad. Mm -hmm. And so when people are able to come and see us and bring their families, you know, if you have a you have a family of four, that's a, no a thousand dollar <laughs> night. You know, there are no <laughs> children's price tickets. You know, when you when you think of the cost of sometimes people having to fly somewhere, yeah. people having to um, you know get a hotel or or just pay for parking, like things like that. When you don't include yeah. that in your normal uh, or daily life, I do think that it is a. I feel special. I feel like this is a special occasion when I'm on stage, and so I like to think of it that way. And yes, it could be someone's first Broadway show, and and, and I, I just think it is um, a, a privilege to be on stage to bring forth this occasion. It's like a, a special, it's some, someone's birthday present or someone's Christmas gift. It's, mm -hmm. so, it's so special, and so I, when I think about the cost of the price, I just think about the sacrifices that some people have to make to mm -hmm. come and see theater, which, right. and I wish that it weren't that way, and I'm, I'm so happy that we do a lottery and, and you know, give away 40 tickets per show. Go to Hamilton.com. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but, but but if you if you can't if you're not one of those people <clears throat> who win the lottery, I just think um, of of how long and and someone has probably waited to see it. I, I think adding on to that, I think Hamilton has as as a company has tried to make the arts more accessible to people, even though the prices are so expensive for your everyday theater goer. In I, I know New York and in many other cities around the country where this show is happening, they do a performance called Edgeham. Yeah, we do and it here. Mm -hmm. we, we do it. I, I, we haven't done it since yeah, I've been on the tour because yeah. I started in the summer and, you know. But um, when I was in the show in New York, pretty much every other, every other Wednesday matinee, uh, we had a house full of 1,300, um, uh, I believe there were juniors, juniors mm -hmm. in high school mm -hmm. who had studied this portion of history, got to come to the, sh uh, got to, come to the show at... 10 a.m. put on their own performances on the Hamilton stage and then do a Q&A. Pieces that they a pieces wrote that they've about created. the his, yeah. about historic. So they could have mm -hmm. written a song, they could have done a rap, they could have, you know, did an interpretive mm -hmm. dance and then they mm -hmm. performed it for their peers and, and a then, very supportive group of peers. Yeah. They all they get very rowdy. And um, <laughs> and then we did a talk back afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then at two o'clock they get to see a matinee. And yeah. um, and it's it's one of our eight shows for the week in mm -hmm. Hamilton essentially along with, I don't, I, th I think it's the Rockefeller organization. Um, sure. Don't quote me on that, but I guess I'm being quoted. Um, uh, they essentially allow these kids to come see the show, and it's, um, it's, it's just an incredible experience. And it's also the most energetic audiences we have we'll during have, the week. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's wild. the wall of sound. Yeah. Of, I know a theater full it's of wild. high schoolers it's just, screaming. It's just like it's like a concert. Oh. It's great. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Are you guys seeing the show tonight? Oh, some of you some, are. Some, be that loud okay. if you are. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. Like, yeah, sometimes different audiences, depending, they're like, I don't know. Can we clap? Can we make noise? Yes. Can we? I don't know. Please do. You know? So we, we as much as we give, we love hearing, you know, mm-hmm. getting, getting that energy back. And uh, another thing, like you were saying, it, the, making the show more accessible, there are now, what, six companies? Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost world, seven. Almost mm-hmm. seven of still trying to meet the demand. You know, um, I, I'm not from New York. I haven't even lived in New York. Uh, and I got to see the show uh, on tour. Uh, the tour is how I was able to see the show. I wasn't able to see it in, uh, in New York. And probably if I hadn't been not in the show, I probably still wouldn't have been able to see it at this point. But it's because of, like, the tours and other companies that are, like, going out to meet the people versus, you know, everyone can't come to New York and, and fill up the 13,000, 1,300. Yeah, I mean, the, the New York Theater is the so smallest small. theater you'll small. see Hamilton. And all these, the yeah. house here, I believe, is, like I don't, 2,200, 20, 20, something like that? We've had houses up to 3,000. Yeah. So it's really mm-hmm. the tours that are really bringing the show yeah, to, to, more the, to more people as opposed mm-hmm. to the New York house, yeah. which is smaller. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's also an honor for us, too. Like, you know, we understand, but we're, we're, try, we're trying to bring it to, you know, as many <laughs> people as we can. Yeah. Drea, what do you think, what are some maybe some things about the show that, that people don't really understand that you wish they did? Mm. Someone said to me once, um, someone, said, someone was wondering why the title characters or the, the majority of the characters were people of color. And someone explained it to me, or, or we were having a discussion. Alexander Hamilton was an immigrant who came to this country and changed it. And it's important to, to, to know if you're an audience member or if you're a young p- person of color watching the show that it doesn't matter where you're from, you too can do something great. He did so many things. And so how brilliant is it of Lynn to create a show where somebody is, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just a reflection of 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 how he maybe wants to see the world or how he believes that it can be. And so um, I think that is important. And I think that is important for you to, for people to see themselves and to know that it doesn't matter where you're from or what you have or what you start out with. It's all a journey and it's because he started out with nothing. With Hamilton. nothing. And, and and we wouldn't have the country that we had today because of him. And he wasn't even alive that long. And so just think about what you can do or what can be done no matter where you started from. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. So Desmond, I was hoping you would talk a little bit about uh, your first encounters with Hamilton, like what your first impressions were of the show. Okay, yes, I remember like it was yesterday. So <laughs> I, I remember when Hamilton like first hit, like the world knew it outside of New York. Like I was, I was doing a show and in Atlanta and everybody was talking about, you know, the Hamilton mixtape and the Hamilton this. And I was like, what is, what is y'all talking about, you know? And they were listening to, this was my first time hearing people listen to a cast recording like an album, like an actual, like Beyonce or Sting, you know, something like that. I, you know, I knew there was cast recordings, but I'm like, they were listening to it like it was like an album. And I was like, 
okay, that's okay, interesting. You know, I want to know more about this this show. And then of course, you know, oh, it's it's sold out. It's it can't get into it. And I remember talking to my mom, and I was like, man, mom, you know, we'll probably never get to see Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> and she's seen it like 13 times. But anyway. Yeah, so, so loud. <laughs> I love your mom. She's like, <laughs> she like yep, Desmond's mom is here. Yep. But um, so I was, I was in L.A. Uh, I had just finished Born for This, and the tour came, came to town. And so I, went to, I was able to see the show, and I literally sat there, first of all, when I walked in and you see the stage, I literally, in my mind, I was like, who do y'all think y'all are? <laughs> like, that's not how, wait a minute, we're supposed to have a reveal. We're supposed to, you know, it's supposed to be in this little, like, that was like, I was like, okay, this isn't theater as usual. So now I was like, I'm interested, you know. And typically, as, you know, in traditional theater, or whatever, you know, the first number is like this big, num big chorus line number, blah, blah, blah. The music starts, one person walks out. And the first line is a question. What? <laughs> this is, you know, so I'm just like, this is blowing my mind because this is not how, you know, I envision theater to be. And then by the end of the show, you know, I had to pick up my face off the ground because it was literally just melted. And, and I remember thinking, you know, because I was, you know, being appropriate in, in the, as it were, and everyone was just around me was like, oh, hmm. And I wanted to stand up and be like, are y'all watching the same show I'm watching? You should be losing your mind right now. And I remember thinking, <laughs> this was August 2017 when I saw the show. And as a new actor, I was like, oh man, it's probably going to take me another like two years before I'm able to be in this show. And I was casting this show two months after that. So... Don't, like I said, don't ever limit yourself or, or think that, you know, because, you know, I didn't come from, from a, th a background of theater. Um, I'm literally in theater and in school at the same time in this show, you know. So it, it matters not. If you have a dream, if you have a passion, like, like Teria said, no matter where you come from, your educational background, lack thereof, whatever, it does not matter. You have everything within you to be exactly where you're supposed to be. And this is where I was, was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's changed my life ever since. Yeah. Thank you. Neil, mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about what the audition process was like for Hamilton, maybe the first time? Sure. And um, if it took you, the, the question here from the audience member is, was it difficult to, to, get, to get used to the rotating stage floor? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, a lot of, everybody has their own audition Hamilton situation. Um, mine was, uh, mine happened in April of 2015, it was between the Off-Broadway company and the Broadway company, and they were looking for one male and one female swing to uh, swing the entire ensemble. And um, we ended up uh, dancing, learning different choreography from the show for probably about four or five hours throughout the day, and they kept making cuts. And then I came in and sang for them, um, and I had a rap prepared and everything, and they never asked me to do it. What <laughs> rap? What? Oh, I'd was, like to know what rap right, we were going to do. Was it? Uh, it was Till I Collapse by Eminem. It was okay. going to be awesome. Continue. Oh, my God. It was, okay. was going to be awesome. <laughs> they didn't ask me to do it. But um, literally later that day, about an hour after the audition, I was walking through Central Park, and I got a phone call, and I had booked it. And um, 
so it was just a one-day situation for wow. me, which was kind of unheard of for this show. I know people who have been auditioning and going to callbacks for years. months, years. if not years, yeah. and then going to like choreography boot camps and doing things like that and until a spot is ready. But in my situation, there was, there was a spot, and they needed somebody for that that day. So um, I forget the second half of the question. The rotating stage. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah. um, the rotating stage, I had to get used to it uh, very quickly. Um, my first time going into the show was uh, for act two of, oh. of the show. Mid-show oh, wow. mid swing on, my very first performance. And I'd still never been on the turntable while it moved and I'm standing there in like a freeze position and I didn't know where to look and I was like I don't know where to look I'm getting dizzy this is crazy (laughs) (laughs) and you're just seeing everything like pass by you but so it took me that show to get used to it because I had to (laughs) that's amazing do you do either of you have any cool audition stories um I okay I was auditioning in but I wasn't, li- like I said, I'm not living in New York. So I'm, I'm from the South. And so I had like five callbacks in the span of like a month and a half or whatever. And of course, you know, when you live in New York, it's easy for them to say, hey, can we see you tomorrow? But when you don't, well, not, maybe not tomorrow. But, um, but literally every time I had to fly back to New York, um, uh, or they would call, just the way it would be made for me to, 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 to be able to fly and go. Oh, God. So I remember um, I had a dance call. And um, I was at home in Arkansas where, where my family is. And so um, it was my, my agent called and said, okay, let's, let's say, for instance, it's, it's a Monday. Hey, Desmond, you, uh, they want to see you um, Friday for a dance call. Okay, so I booked my ticket Friday. Boom, good. Calls back Tuesday. Hey, they uh, want to see you tomorrow. I, but you know I'm not there. And so he was like, can you get here? So I, I called Delta, and I was like, I need to switch my ticket to tomorrow. And they was like, okay. So I was able to do that. Okay, great. Um, but the earliest I could get to LaGuardia was like 10.30 a.m., and the dance call was at noon. You ain't getting to no noon dance call landing at 10.30. And so, um, so the, the block was from noon to 1.00. And uh, I, get, I get there, and as soon as we land, I'm like, okay, we're making good time. And the plane stops. We are, we're stuck on the jetway, guys, because t- I was like, no! <laughs> and so I'm on the phone with my, with my agent, like, telling him what's going on. He's like, okay, I'm going to call him and try to, you know, stall and start or whatever. So I get to the, the dance call at 11.50. No, 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 wait a minute. What time did it start? Is It started at noon. So I get there at 12.50. Yes. And so the other two guys, it was me and two other guys that they were, uh, and actually Jonathan was one of the guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Jonathan Bruce? No, John. Uh, tell the people. Nick, tell Nick's Nick's tell Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we we have a new story. guy that's, but there was that dance call. So anyway, so I get, I go there to the dance call with my luggage, everything. I walk in the room and they're dancing, they're sweating. And they was like, well, just can hang out outside real quick and we'll kind of see what we're going to do. And so at that point, I was just like, well, God, listen, I did, I did the best I could. And, you know, so they came out and they were done. And so they asked me to come in the room. And um, it was two, um, our, our current uh, dance uh, captain or 
supervisor, and another girl was in the in the room. And so I was like, I got here as best as I could. You know, I'm so sorry. This is last minute, blah, blah, blah. And so Eliza, who was one of the uh, people who was doing the dance call, she said, well, God must have knew what he's doing because we actually have this room for another 30 minutes. And so let's go ahead and do this dance call. It would just be you and us. And, that, um, and so that was like uh, one of my most stressful uh, auditions. <laughs> and then come to find out that that was one of the auditions that really got, gave me a push because they said, y'all, he came like straight from the airport, had his luggage in his hands. He came ready to work. He wasn't stressing. He wasn't blah, blah, blah. And that's one of the things that really, you know, helped me even land this, <laughs> land this role. So, yeah, it was stressful, but I, I made it, made it do what it do. <laughs> made it happen. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, audience folks, if you've got questions, wave to Chris and he will take them. Uh, I'm going to read you guys a couple that are coming from the audience. Okay. Um, so one of the ones I really liked was, um, from now on, people will think of Hamilton as depicted in the play. And I, I don't know that that's 100% true, but I, for argument's sake, you will have made history. I think that's definitely true. How has that influenced how you act the part? Oh. Well, like, like Neil was saying earlier, I don't think that we really think about it that yeah. way. Because I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily lay in my bed and say, I wonder what Marie Curie looked like. I don't like think about it that way. I don't think about, I wonder what An uh, Angelica Schuyler really looked like or acted like. So I think that the text, the work, the songs are what I think about. I don't necessarily think about the physical representation of the particular part. That's me personally. Um, I don't think of I don't think of Alexander Hamilton as a Latino man because sometimes he's a black man and sometimes he's an Asian man, depending upon who's playing the part. So I just th I don't think of it that way. I just think of the work um, and the the script and the play. I don't necessarily think about the yeah. physical mm -hmm. representation of the person. Um, I think I think about. Um, the whole representation. I, I, there's someone, just like when I first saw this show, and the, the people that I saw, the person that I saw play a particular role that I was attracted to, like that is the guy that I will always remember. And there's somebody in the audience, a, a child, a person, or whatnot, and I will be that character or that role that they will always remember, that seed that's planted mm -hmm. in some young child who is going to be the next Hamilton or be in the next worldwide phenomenon, mm -hmm. you know, musical. Like, I get to be a part of paying it forward, planting those seeds of, of representation. Like, wow, I didn't even know that we could do this, but I saw him do it, and now I know I can do it. So going into it with that attitude and that mindset, it's, uh, it's motivation to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, some more questions from the audience. Great. Um, there have been some heated... Uh, political reactions to Hamilton in New York and Chicago. Have no. You, have you experienced any of that? Uh, have you experienced any of that on tour? No, not particularly on tour. Uh, I've, we've had some dumb questions. <laughs> but uh, we haven't. Uh, we we haven't had any. Um, we haven't had any bad experiences, I should say. You know, everybody has their own opinion, and you know, this country is made up of. of a tap, um, tap, 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 a lot of different people yeah. <laughs> with a lot of different ideas. And so, you know, there's room for us all, but we haven't had any negative experiences on this particular tour. Yeah, yeah, not that I can say. Um, 
couple questions about how do you keep up your energy and enthusiasm for the show night after night? They pay us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I. <laughs> sure. I think yeah. it it kind of comes back to the fact that you know you can almost guarantee that in that audience is somebody's first musical they're ever seeing. And or their can, favorite. Or their favorite. Yeah. But like kind of keeping that in mind, even if you have something going on in your own personal life, you are not yourself on stage. You don't have to bring that on stage with you. And you can, you can put yourself, you can remove yourself from your life and put yourself into the life of the show for those three hours and, and just live the life of that specific character. And um, I think that kind of helps... Um, bring some freshness and newness to it. When I was um, doing the show The Lion King, um, I was I played Nala. And in that particular show, Nala is played by a young girl and an older woman. And I was the older Nala. And I wasn't in the first act. And so before the show, before I had to get into makeup, which took quite a long time, I had about 30 minutes before I had to go to makeup. And every night I would go and I would watch from the audience, the back of the house, I would watch The Circle of Life, which is the first number. And it was... Um, it was ritualistic for me because I would watch it every night and I would watch the audience's reaction to um, all the animals coming in and the procession and the beginning of the show. And I would see people who were eight or 88 and everybody had the same sort of enthusiasm and the same sort of excitement and wonder. And that was how I started that show. And that's how I kept the energy up, you know, just realizing that everybody in that theater is all there to experience the same thing. And it's kind of beautiful. It's a secret club. So when you come and see Hamilton, when you come and see any show, the people around you are going to see a show that no one else will see and the people on stage are going to perform a show that will never perform again because of all of the factors that are in the room so every night the show is is different and that's how we keep the energy up knowing that it'll be an experience that will never happen again and I'm excited every night to be able to do the show in a way that I will have never done before or never be able to duplicate yeah that opening uh, to Lion King, uh, it, it every it's time stunning. I've seen it, it makes me cry. Right? Yeah, it's. I just gorgeous. saw it for the first time like two years ago. I know, I know. I, I still haven't seen uh, it. It was. I, know. I tried to. I, I sat in the front row of the balcony. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. I was like a little kid in there. It was yeah. incredible. I, I yeah. I, I feel it makes me feel very emotional. Just the sheer pageantry of it. Mm -hmm. um, Desmond, a couple questions for you. Yes. Um, one was sort of about how you transition from being Hercules Mulligan mm -hmm. in the first act to being James Madison in the second when they seem to be such different characters. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was another question about your work again as a swing from before okay. and how you master all of those individual roles. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, yes, Her Herc and, and, and James, Jimmy, are... Uh, <laughs> Are definitely two two different characters. Um, Hercules is very you know very physical, very active, very you know uh, raucous you know rah 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 you know. And then Madison is very pulled together, very conservative. We don't be loud, no you know. And uh, it's just it's it's just again the great thing about being an actor is that we get to do what we do like it, as kids. You know when we were growing up in the room, we would play different characters, do different voices, line our stuffed animals up and you're this and you're this and you're this, you know, and so to be able to do that and be paid for it is awesome because uh, growing up that was not in my house. We were like, no, you're going to school, you're going to go be an engineer. 
and um, which is what I went to school for. And um, uh, but yes, Mulligan, and uh, he's younger. He's you know he's one of the Sons of Liberty. Um, so I get to kind of tap into that youthful side of, of myself. And then Madison is, is older and more conservative, which is not too, too far from That's my you. natural, you know, myself. So I'm kind of really playing myself in, in both, both sides, you know, maybe like the extreme of, of, of me, but I get to, you know, pull from like personal experience and, and myself in both of those characters. I love them both, but Madison is definitely a, a break because Mulligan never wants to be still. And is always running and doing something. Mulligan, sit down. So <laughs> when Act Two comes, I'm like, oh yes, we get to just kind of chill and just be. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like the the two uh, two extremes there. Uh, and the question about the the swings, how was how how basically I think how you learn each of those roles, like how you listen. I'm still asking myself that question. <laughs> um, like I said, because I, because I didn't have a background in theater, and this was really like my first big shot. I came into it like, okay, Des. You got you, you to do this. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you got to do this. So I came into this open. Like, I'm here to learn. I'm here, of course, I'm here with, like, veterans people who, so I'm, like, I'm gleaning, I'm learning, I'm listening. I'm seeing how they work. I'm seeing how, you know, they, you know, oh, okay, that's a nice technique they're doing. Like, I'm, I'm copying, I'm gleaning. And I really just came with an open mind, and I'm, like, I'm here to be taught. And we have, you know, amazing creative creative team, dance uh, directors, and dance captains, and all that, who are there to help us learn the show and keep the show and all of that. And so I came with a teachable, you know, spirit. You and were I, spongy. Yeah, yeah. And I and I encourage everyone, you know, how do I, how do I, what should I do? Be teachable. Mm -hmm. Be teachable because there's always something that you can learn. There's you have always to be flexible yeah. in this particular business. Now they yeah. do. It is a you know a sort of a system of how, of how they teach people the show. You know they'll start with you just learning the music, so that way when you get up on your feet and learn the blocking, mm -hmm. you'll know what I say. You know what I mean when I say. And on this line, you go here because you'll know what that line is. And then you put the dancing on top of that. So there is a layering system that they have for you learning the show. Um, but it's it's all systematic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for us, like in this for this particular process, like the swings, <laughs> because we literally had to watch the rehearsals. And I say learn the show ourselves, but learn the, pretty much they have to learn the show ourselves. And uh, because during the rehearsal process, the onstage principals were the ones who were up and being, you know, and we were like over... Kind yeah, of like we all learned the, the show. When we first started the show two years ago in the tour, we all learned... We had a four-week rehearsal process in New York City. And so all of the onstage company, we learned the numbers one at a time, one number at a time. And then the um, swings were in literally in a little corner mm -hmm. and they were taking notes. And so Watching. like yeah. I had two understudies. <laughs> and so every time someone would tell me something, Tari, you go stand on eight. There are numbers on the stage. You stand on eight and then move to ten. I would make sure that my understudies I would look at them and I say, "Did you hear that eight yeah, to ten? All, because all the time we, all, we wouldn't hear. Sometimes like, we wouldn't. If know. everybody doesn't hear, like yeah. we all needed to be on the same page. So I'd make sure that they had, you know, because I also wasn't taking notes while I'm standing up. They were taking notes. So there would be times where we leaned on each other. I could go to my understudies and say, "What number was I supposed to be on here? Because I know that she had written it down. Mm -hmm. You know. So we were all learning uh, together. It was all yeah. a, a, um, a process. Yeah. So this is a sort of uh, the two questions, kind of very similar. Um, one is from one of our younger audience members. Uh, if somebody got a part that you should have gotten, uh, how would you deal with it? Or if all the good parts were given to blonde-haired kids, how would you deal with that? Oh my gosh, so when I first saw Hamilton, I looked up on the stage and I said, God, 
I'm an Eliza. <laughs> and I just knew. And I told my agents when they were like, we have an audition for you for Hamilton. I was like, Eliza, right? And they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> you are nowhere near. And I was crushed. I really, really thought in my heart that I was an Eliza. I couldn't possibly imagine playing that part now because I feel so closely related to Angelica. But I, I had a vision for myself and I thought that I was supposed to be Eliza. Sometimes the role will choose you. But I really thought that that's, I really thought that's what I should have been. But no. Um, but if all the blonde haired people got a part, I guess I'd be a very bright show, but I'd buy a bright. Guess I'd buy a blonde wig. I guess. Listen, I'm just glad to be in a role. Like, yeah, because again, like we, even though we have six companies and you know Hamilton is this, but there's still only a select few people that get yeah. to do what we do. You know, um, so I'm I'm just glad to be one of them. I'll also say I, I haven't played many roles in my life. I've done a lot of ensemble work. And even in like middle school and high school, I was just dancing in the ensemble and everything. That was, that was everything that I wanted because I didn't want the pressure of the playing the role and everything. So sometimes, and it was such a great learning experience too because you get to see all the other people make the mistakes in their time and you get to learn from their mistakes while you're just like chilling in the back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and it's, it, you can use an, any... Any part you get, whether it's ensemble or a role, you can use as a learning experience. And even if you are in middle school or high school and you get and you get uh, cast as one of the stage managers or a lighting person, you're learning so much and you're learning more about theater than somebody standing on stage reciting some lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's always a, there's learning in everything. Yeah, there, yeah. there's no always a way to do. learn from from whatever your situation is. Yeah. yeah, especially if you want to learn. Yeah, and you know why wouldn't I mean? you? Yeah, and that's just in life. Period. <laughs> no matter what you're doing, like if you want to learn, you'll learn. You'll be taught. Mm-hmm. Like lessons are everywhere. Really? Yeah. So there's a question that came from the audience and a question that I had that are really similar, and I'm going to sort of tell you both of them, and you can sort of answer the part of it that you'd like. Um, my question was, you know, do you have any thoughts about my, what might happen when the rights to Hamilton are released to community theaters and schools? Um, and yeah, and then there was another question of what advice would you give to minority kids who want to act in our current times? Who are you asking? Oh, that's Is a good question. Uh, it's sort of open. Okay. I mean, it came from the audience, so um, anybody who wants. I it. can't wait to see high schools yeah. and middle schools yeah. do Hamilton Junior <laughs> or whatever yeah, it's going to Hamilton be in that yeah. moment. I don't know when ham. or it's ham. Called it's called ham. <laughs> We're going ham. <laughs> um, I can't wait to no, see I that. No, I think it's, yeah. I was, um, similar question about, you know, Hamilton and, and what it would mean for community theaters or what it would mean for, like, more people. I always think back, I was never really super interested in history. I was more of an English person and a, a writer. But um, I thought about how I didn't like math. And what if there was a show like Hamilton that incorporated hip-hop and people that looked like me about math? There would be so many more female coders. There'd be so many more like female scientists, like mm-hmm. all kinds of things. So I think that it's important to get this sort of thing out because what Hamilton is doing for the world, not only the world of theater, but it is making people interested in history, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So imagine if we had some other person who were sitting who was sitting down and, and thought like, I really like 
bananas and I want everybody to learn about bananas. And like they wrote a, a salsa musical about bananas. I don't know, like if they just, you know, leaned into outside what- outside the box here. Yeah. yeah, like leaning into what you think you can do, um, you know, Lynn didn't know that it, this would be the phenomenon that it was, but he had a spark. Mm. He had an idea that, like, I like history and I like hip-hop. Let me put these two together. So, like, you know, make your sandwiches, y'all. Put put your stuff together, because you never know what it could turn into. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Thank you. <laughs> make your sandwiches, y'all. How long do most people stay in the Hamilton family? Like, how, how long do most people stay on tour? That's kind of a question for anybody. Uh, Everybody depends. has their own journey. Yeah. 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 Um, the I've, tour the life is a hard is, life. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting. People think that it is glamorous, and it can be. But just imagine if I told you you have to go on the road for a year, and you have to bring all of the things that will make you happy, um, your clothes, your stuffed animals, your favorite blanket, and you only can put it in two suitcases, and you only get to see your family every other holiday, and you only have one day off, and on that day off, you do have to travel. And if you have a hotel room, you might have to kill cooking it on a hot plate and so your clothes will smell like ramen or you know all of those things but yes you get to see the country you get to do a show that you love you get to be paid to to um, have a career it's all mm-hmm. it's hard so mm-hmm. like sometimes the tour it isn't for everyone mm-hmm. um, this is my fourth national tour so I've been touring for about 15 years so I have my tricks and my hacks and, and what I do, I personally drive the tour. So I travel with my car, which is filled to the brim with all of the things that make me feel special. <laughs> I travel with my own spices because I love to cook every night. That's important to me. You know, like I might travel with a, a vintage Nintendo because I want my childhood back. You know, Wait, all are you traveling with a vintage Nintendo? I do have a vintage yeah, Nintendo. Cool. I'll, I'll, be there. I'll be there right after the show. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, so to answer out. your question about how long people stay on tour, it all depends. Some people have family. Families, you know, mm-hmm. uh, husbands, dogs, wives, all of those things that you really sort of have to sacrifice. And so you have to think, um, how long can you do it until mm-hmm. you're not happy anymore? Because when you're not happy anymore, this you need to leave two months before then. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> how have you noticed that audiences have been different around the country? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I have an interesting answer to this, I think. Um, granted, granted, I've only been on this tour for six or seven cities, but I always notice that the very first week in every city, the audiences seem to us a bit more subdued and more quiet, quiet and it. taking it in. And I, 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 I don't know the reason for that, but I personally believe that it's... Um, uh, the first week is full of subscribers who get to see shows all the time yeah. and 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 know how to enjoy theater and are seeing eight other shows in the next five months, right? Or maybe didn't choose to see that show, but that was the next one on the list. Sure, but it's not, I'm not, it's not a negative thing. I'm saying that it's... It, they'll sit and enjoy it more, and then... And and then at the end they'll be full applause, standing ovation, all that sort of stuff. But then in the in the following weeks, near the end of the run in each city, if the city is three weeks or four weeks or five weeks, you'll get people who have either chosen to come back to the show, or who have 
specifically chosen this one show to see and have waited for forever to see it. And they they went through a friend of a friend of a friend to get a ticket, and they're so amped that they'll just scream and yell and just like be so excited. So it's interesting how the shows in each city will morph. Will morph. Yeah, yeah, will morph depending on the week or the audience or even the day of the week. Like if you're seeing a, if there's a Wednesday matinee, it's not going to be as rowdy as a Friday evening audience. Cause they'll, you know, they've just had their coffee or maybe a mimosa, I don't know. Um, but on the Friday night, people have, you know, they're, this there's is no their night tomorrow. out. There's no work yeah. tomorrow. They're living their best lives and they're here to enjoy the show. And there's no right or wrong with that. It's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. And it's such an interesting feeling on stage when you see that. Because you, all you see is smiles. But some of the smiles on some days and some weeks are like smiles with like clapping and cheering and fist pumping and stuff. And so. Some are polite nods. Yeah, some are like, ah, <laughs> ah yes, Hamilton. That was, that was grand. Ah. <laughs> um, I, I was curious, what's the most, for each of you actually, what is the most challenging part of the show for you personally? The time backstage. Aww. Okay, okay, relax. <laughs> um, I my uh, yeah. My, I mean, my role backstage. My role now is on stage for maybe fifteen to twenty minutes a night, which is a large change from when I was doing the show in New York. I was playing Charles Lee, and I was on stage for almost two and a half hours a night. So I'm on stage in three little stints. And backstage, I'll have you know 45 minutes at a time, or pretty much about 45 minutes between each song. Um, so some nights, I don't know what to do, but um, I started teaching myself French the other day, and it's <laughs> going very well. I can't tell you anything in French yet, but um, good. but it's but good. It, it, yeah, it's in French. It's no, I, I don't want I don't want to embarrass myself yet. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> this is the big stage, um, but. Uh, when I'm backstage, if I don't know what to do, I might go watch in the wings, but everybody else is still on stage. So I don't get to really connect backstage with all the people. Sorry, I should talk to the mic. I don't really get to talk and connect backstage with all the people or even on stage with all the people because I'm on stage alone every night. Yeah. So it's, it's, a very, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very black and white um, difference, stark difference between what my job used to be and what it is now. And some nights I love it, and some nights I, I want that connection. And it, you know, it just depends. But once you see a smiling face backstage, it makes it all okay. So. <clears throat> oh, the steps. There are a lot of steps in Hamilton. There are seven staircases in the show, and each step, each staircase has 11 steps. Sometimes when I can't fall asleep at night, I try to count the amount of steps that I go up every night, and every time I get to around 400, 500, I kind of fall asleep. That's so funny. But that is the, the it's the steps in the corset, in the big ball gowns, in the tights, in the heels, in the heat sometimes, you know, backstage, if there's no air conditioner. So all of those kinds of things that you don't really get to see on stage is, is kind of hard. Uh, for me, the biggest challenge was the, was the choreo, because um, I'm, I'm not a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was that was a bit challenging, but it was again it was just one of those things like all right, Desmond, we just got to do it. We just got to get get this done. Uh, so once I once I would get it, like I would tell my choreographer, like listen, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. So like I, it's gonna take some time, but once I get it, I'll have it. 
but just help me get it because, you know, and so, you know, very sweet, very patient, whatever. So I'm like, okay, now I got it. I can do it. But that, yeah, the dance was the biggest challenge for me. Yeah. Well, we are getting close to the end of our time, but I wanted to end on an up note. And after this, I want to just let, let all you guys know they're going to run off and, and get dinner before they have to go on stage. So unfortunately, they cannot linger. Um, but uh, what have you seen and enjoyed in Madison during your time here so far? I love the downtown area of Madison. I love the way it's laid out. I love all the restaurants and there's so, I haven't been in very many of them, but there's so many like amazing looking taverns and yeah. cocktail bars and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, such, it feels like such a vibrant city that, it, I mean, it has to be one of my favorite cities that I've ever toured in. This I'm not just counting the six that I've been to on this tour. <laughs> I've been on several other tours. Um, but it, it has to be one of my favorite cities I've ever visited and, and gotten the privilege to stay in for three weeks. It's it's a gorgeous city. Keep going. <laughs> um, I, I went. What was the seafood place we went to the other day? Oh, we went to the the crop, the sea fish the boil, seafood. crab boil, mad mad, mad boil. boil. Thank you, oh. my friend. That was really good food. <clears throat> Um, yeah, it's a new it's a newish place and it's got like seafood. It's so, so good. It's really good. Yes, I like to eat as clearly as you can see. <laughs> so I, you know, I I judge the city by the food. And yes, that mad seafood boil place. I, I was like, I just literally, I said, I'm going to eat myself until I explode. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was so I went there good. on a Saturday with Desmond, and then yeah. the next day my mom came to town, and I went there on a Sunday. Did she like it? <laughs> yeah. She did. But when we park in near the theater, uh, we park just maybe like three blocks away from the theater, and on the second block, almost to when you get to the theater, if I just... Um, stop walking in the cold and I turn my head just a little bit, I can see the Capitol and it is so beautiful. Oh and God, and it's, you know, something that you're not really expecting to see because I'm trying to get to the theater because it's cold here, y'all. <laughs> but when I turn my head and I look at it all lit up, it's it's great. The last time I was here, I stayed at the Concourse Hotel, so I was near there. But this time I, I'm not staying downtown. So when I'm traveling from the parking garage to the theater, it's just nice to look over and see that beauty. Thank you so much. Thank all you very well. Thank, Thank you. you. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com. <laughs>